Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Fire beside my face, the echo of my day. 
Welcome back to part two of our study that we've entitled Rise Above. We're looking at the Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Ascent. That's uh, Psalms 120 through 134 in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. And this subset of Psalms is the songs that they sang as they went up to worship God in Jerusalem. There was three times a year uh, during Bible times that Jews were required to travel from their homes, wherever that was, and to go to Jerusalem to worship. One was Passover, which takes place about the time of our Easter, uh, March, April of, the, of our calendar, and there's not an exact sync between their calendar and our calendar. But uh, they would go up for the Passover, and then it was immediately followed by a week-long celebration called the Feast of First Fruits. And then later in the summer, about June, mid-June, uh, there would be the second one, which was what we would call the Feast of Weeks, or we know more popularly as Pentecost. And then uh, there was the third feast, which would take place in September, which we know as the Feast of Tabernacles, and they would go. Basically, all these were tied to their agricultural cycle. Uh, first fruits and Passover was a time when the barley harvest first started to come in, that crop. They would bring the first fruits of that crop in a new year to God. And uh, then uh, once the barley harvest was ending, that was the time of of, of, of the uh, second feast, which was the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And then when the wheat harvest came in, that was in the fall, our fall in September, and there would be a harvest celebration then. And all of, was, all of that was designed to remind them of God's goodness. So remember, Jerusalem is in the hill country of Judea, so they were going up. So while they're going up, they're singing these songs, familiar songs. They've committed them to memory, and they were precious and special to them. And we're studying those, them together. Today we want to talk about a, a, one of the, the psalms. It's 122, and if you want to make your way there, I'd encourage you to get there. And we're going to talk about delight. Because he starts with these words, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That word glad really means I was delighted. It's all filled with delight. And we're going to just use that as our word to encapsulate what we want to talk about. So how do we delight in the Lord? How, how does this work? Uh, how, what does this mean? Well, first of all, let me just read these eight verses, excuse me, nine verses to you. Or I read one, eight to go. Uh, nine verses to you. And I hope you're in a place where you have a Bible that you can just sit down with a, with a cup of coffee at a table and be watching this. I know some of you listen to this in the audio format, and you're, you have to hear it if you're on the road, whatever. But uh, I hope you have a Bible available. If not, just listen very carefully. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem was built as a city that is compact together where the tribes grow up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, and thrones for the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. 
because the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And I wish we could hear that, to hear the, the sound echoing off the, the cliffs and the rocks and the road as they traveled along and all these people singing together. It must have been a joyous time. And uh, we do know from the attribution, it says that this is a, a song of ascents of David. So we know the writer, and that really helps us to define what we want to look at today, and that is delight. What does delight mean? And then this psalm is going to show us what delight does and how it works in our lives today. So it's going to be a great journey. So when he says, I, I, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And he mentions Jerusalem. It's directed to Jerusalem, this place he's going. But what does delight mean? Well, I want to take you to a, another psalm of David and a particular verse in that psalm where we're going to find out that David, in essence, is going to allow us to find a definition for this thing of delight. So the verse we're looking at is Psalm 37 and verse 4. And uh, this probably is a familiar passage of Scripture to you, too. Uh, many of you are familiar with it. And I want to look deeply at it because uh, there, there, there might be some things that we've not seen in it before. But it says simply this, Delight yourself also in the Lord. There's our word delight. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Let's think about what that means. Well, if you just read it and you're not careful, you might take it to mean, if I delight myself in the Lord, if I could just do what God wants me to do, if I can be who God wants me to be, then He's going to give me whatever my heart desires. I mean, it, it sounds so good and so simple. However, when you start breaking this down, you think about it. Are my desires always what's best for me? Are my desires always what God wants to give me? Let's take an extreme example. Let's just say, I have a desire. and I, Lord, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to live righteously. But my desire is I want to go to Las Vegas and open a nightclub and a casino. Most of us would probably say, Jess, that probably is not a great idea for you and maybe not for anyone because of all the things that are associated with that kind of a scene. But, uh, but you know, if you take this verse in that context, you just say, well, it's, I usually call this God as a vending machine view. You know, I can just push D8, the little thing will turn, and the blessing that I want drops out. Well, God is not a machine. God is not dictated that way. But look at this verse this way. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Not what your heart desires, but to give you the right desires to be in your heart. He will change your desires. He will change your outlook. He will change your pursuit. He will change your life. <laughs> so he simply says to us, you delight yourself in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. That desires of your heart connected back to delight kind of gives us the clue of what this is all about. And I just want to share this definition with you. Delight means choosing to find our satisfaction in the Savior, not in our circumstances. It means that I align my desires, my wants, my wishes with His will. And I'm seeking that above all else. And when I align my desires and my wishes all in Him, when I find my satisfaction in Him, that is true delight. That is true peace, joy, all the things that come from it. So we might think about this. And by the way, satisfaction, you could put in there fulfillment. You could put in there peace, comfort, joy. Whatever. You could put a lot of words in there. But I've chosen the word satisfaction because we just need to find, Lord, I'm satisfied with you. I've got you. What more do I need? I have you in my life. And whatever you see fit to give me or to not give me, I'm okay with that because I'm delighting in you. I'm satisfied in you. Now, the word that you see there at the beginning where it says choosing to find our satisfaction is important because God does allow us to make a choice. We all know and have experienced somewhere along the line moments when we have experienced Moments when we have not followed the desires of the Lord. We're not delighting in Him, not bringing our wishes and desires into alignment with Him. And when that happens, 
difficulties happen. We, we mess up life. Life is not working as it should. So we understand that we have that choice. So the choice we need to make is this. We need to choose to find our satisfaction in Him. And let me just bring it up one more time because I want to get this really deep in your mind. Delight means choosing to find our satisfaction in the Savior, not in our circumstances. So let's dig a little deeper into that and uh, think our way through it. Now, I want to take you back to Psalm 122, which is our psalm, because we wanted to define what, what, what uh, really delight is. So he says, I was glad. I had this delight when, I, when they said to me, let's enter the house of the Lord. So the first thing we can say about this is this is, this is rational. He, David recognizes that God is worthy of his delight, worthy of finding his satisfaction in God, worthy of aligning his desires with God, worthy of that sort of a reality. So with that in mind, God says, I'm, I'm here, I'm here for you. And David responds with this rational thought process that says, Lord, you're worthy. You're God. You're a God who's mercy, love, peace, judgment, kindness. Uh, you know, you're a God that's going to settle all the scores of sin. You're a God who's going to forgive me of my sins because I'm under the blood of Christ. We find our total satisfaction in him. And I hope you are too, that you make that choice. And you and I every day make that choice along the way in life that we choose that. It's not only rational, but it's also relational. We need to trust that he indeed is here. It's not just I think about God, Lord, you're, you know, God's a good God, but we actually communicate with him. Lord, you're worthy of my trust. You're worthy of me finding my satisfaction in you. I have no complaints in you. I give you my thanks. I give you my praise. I give you my trust. And we communicate in prayer. And then he communicates to us through the pages of the word of God and the spirit of God who takes the word of God and makes it living and, and meaningful in our lives. So we have that. And then thirdly, it's also, uh, there's an emotional component here. He says, I was glad when they said to me, I will go into the house of the Lord. I'm looking forward to this journey to Jerusalem to encounter God as he is there. And uh, they've had that experience. So it is, it's emotional. We need to believe he loves our delight. That not only are we emotionally touched, but also God is emotionally touched by our delight in him. You know, you're around somebody that's just a, we might we use this phrase, you know, someone, you know what, he or she is just a joy to be around. With that in mind, we say, we, we want to be around them. That, that's infectious. That's helpful. I hope you find our, our times together around the Word of God enjoyable. It's enjoyable for me. I hope it is for you. And feel free to express back to me anything you want to share. But regardless, he says, he says to us, his delight is in this connection that God appreciates that. Now, now remember, remember our, our, our opening statement, and that is simply this, choosing to find our satisfaction in the Savior, not in the circumstances around us. Well, last week, I was working on this passage of Scripture. It was a Thursday, and I've been studying. It's been the bulk of my time studying, preparing for to share with you was on Thursday, and I just got finished, and I'm thinking about this, okay? I'm thinking about this. I, I need to find my satisfaction in the Lord, whatever happens, in the Savior. I have a Savior. I have a Lord. I have a relationship with him. I'm delighted to be in his presence. So I'm driving home. I'm going. I'm on the interstate heading back to our home. And as I'm driving along, I've got the Christian radio station on, listening to some Christian music. And, and suddenly someone comes in an on-ramp and just, I guess I was in their blind spot. They didn't see me. They just comes shooting in front of me. And I mean, it was within mere inches, it seemed like, of a collision. And it was startling. It was scary. My heart's pumping. It was like one of those <gasps> moments. And then I thought, you know, right now, Jess, you have the choice to choose to find your satisfaction in the Lord or react as you would otherwise. I mean, I had a choice. I could get angry. I could, you know, chase that guy down, get on his bumper and honk the horn. Or lady, I don't really didn't really see the driver, just the car. 
uh, I could just I could stew and have a slow burn in my life and complain to all of my all the people around me and make them miserable along the way, or I could choose to say, Lord, thank you for your preservation. Thank you that you so arranged, however you arranged it, so that there was not a collision, there was no injury, I didn't have the hassle of insurance and getting a car repaired. Lord, I thank you for being in that moment. And thank you for allowing that moment to remind me of you. And thank you for the power of the Spirit to help me choose to make that right choice. You see how that works? How we choose to find our satisfaction in our God, in our Savior, not in the circumstances around us. That's not a circumstance I would have chosen. But it's a circumstance at that moment at least, I believe I really found my satisfaction in the Lord. And you can fly that to all areas of your life. You can figure out where that fits and how it fits in your life. So let's see if we can just track along with David. Now we're really going to get into the meat of this psalm. Where he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of our Lord. Now, you understand that when David wrote this, the temple was not there. But David did bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. It was the place they gathered for worship. His son, Solomon, actually builds the permanent temple that we know of in the scriptures going forwards. But he's thinking about Jerusalem. Here we, are, here we are going, this song of ascents, this song of travel. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city is compact together. So first of all, God, this, this thing of choosing to find our satisfaction in God, just to say, Lord, I'm, I'm content with this. I see your hand. But when we do that, we begin to see God in, the, in our lives all around us. And the first one is, is, is important for us to understand. Because when we find our satisfaction in the Lord, we also find out that in our surroundings, we can find Him. You see, delight sees God, first of all, in our surroundings, our environment, what is around us. He looks around, what's He see? He says, I see Jerusalem. I see your gates. It's built. And by the way, Jerusalem is a compact city. It's rather small. When the, when the worshipers gathered in, it would, have been, it would have been a crowded scene. But they gathered in and they're packed in for one purpose, and that is to worship God. He says to us in our surroundings, we look all around our lives. We look all around what is going on in our lives, and we see God there. We see God there. Even the place that you're at. You know, whether it's your church and you're worshiping God or your home or you're outside somewhere. God, you made this. This indeed is your creation. It's available for your use. And we begin to see all of this, this reality around us as being something that God has done and placed in our ways. We see our surroundings different. Secondly, we see something else there. We see our companions differently. Look on, if you will. He says this, where the, verse 4 now, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So he talks about the people again down in verse 8 where he says, For the sake of my brethren and companions. You see, we see God in our companions. We see God in our companions. Sometimes we, it's the people around us that, that irritate us the most. But rather than seeing irritations and burdens and trouble and seeing their problems and seeing uh, their, uh, you know, their baggage, he says, I see people that are coming together to worship God. The fact that I come, and I said this to the folks yesterday on Sunday as I was sharing this with the folks at church, I said, you know, no one, no one forced you to come. You've, you've, you've come to this place of your own choice and your own will to worship God together. We sing together, we give, we pray, we worship, we spend time in God's Word. It's a great thing. So we begin to see people around us differently when we say, Lord, I'm going to find my satisfaction in you. you know, Lord, if, if you're all I have, you are all I need. So in essence, he says to us, you know what? You just find your satisfaction in me, find your joy in me. And then you begin to see God at work in people. You catch God at work in people. And when you do, it changes your outlook about them. 
you know, God's at work. God's moving along. God's changing. For me as a pastor, there's nothing that thrills me more than to detect God at work in people's lives. Because that's what the Word of God does, and that's what the Spirit of God does. And He just uses the teaching of God's Word, and that's the, a small component that, that I'm involved in. And, and whatever God does through me, it's, it's to His glory, not me. But it says simply this, that, that God's at work. Now, you might say, what about that person that's evil? You know, it's, it, this is not just delusional. It's not just saying, you know, well, there's no bad in the world. We're all good. We just walk through a life of rainbows and unicorns. It's all good. I, want, I don't see any bad. No, there is bad in the world. There is evil in the world. There are evil people in the world. But you know what? If we find our satisfaction in God, if we choose to find our satisfaction in Him, then it changes our perspective of the people around us. If nothing else, we could say, Lord, thank you that you've spared me from more evil than I brought into this world. And thank you, Lord God, that you forgive me for the evil I have brought into this world. And also it reminds me of those people, it reminds us of them, that this reality. The only thing that's going to change their life, change their behavior, is have a meeting and encounter with Jesus Christ and be radically changed to the salvation that Jesus offers. By the way, he offers that salvation to you. If you've never trusted him as your Savior, I would just say this to you. Put your faith in him. If I could help you take that step of faith and explain it in a little more detail, answer your questions, I'd be happy to. You can find another pastor, Christian friend, family member that knows God through Jesus, and they could help you with that. But don't put that off. So you think about that, and then there's one more we can want to think about, and it's simply this, that seeing God, delighting in God allows us to see God in our surroundings, our companions, and now our future. Look as he, look as, look as he looks more future. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Okay, so he's saying, I want, I want Jerusalem to be this place of peace because it had not been a place of peace for much of its history. Interestingly, I found this, this the other day as I was studying. Throughout its history, and by the way, David uh, first uh, took Jerusalem, this city, this area, uh, for his, uh, the capital of Judea or Judah, uh, really well, Israel in the, in the United Kingdom and then Judah after the kingdom split into two. But that was almost 3,000 years ago, about 3,000 years ago. So during that 3,000 years of history, Jerusalem has been destroyed, totally destroyed at least twice. It's been besieged 23 times, captured and recaptured 44 times, seriously attacked 52 times. And yet, in future, it says that is going to ha happen in the future again. But you know what? There is a future. There is a future for Israel. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Let me just read a verse of Scripture to you that's uh, found in Luke. And um, as we read it together, it's going to sound very familiar because it's a passage that we often uh, look at, at at Christmas time. All right? But an angel has been sent by God to talk to Mary about Jesus being born. It says in this is Luke 1, 31, 32, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, right? He will be great, he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. There's yet a future there. And he talks about this throne back in verse 5. For the thrones are set there for judgment. It's the, it's the seat of judgment. It's the seat of government. But look what he says in the end of verse 5. The thrones of the house of David. This desiring peace for Jerusalem, he talks about in the next verse considering it's been a place that's been attacked. The reality is that the fact that Jerusalem still exists and it still sits there in a the Judean hillside, a hill country today, and is the capital of modern-day Israel, is a miracle. God has blessed it. God has put it there in spite of all these attacks because it's the geographical center of what God is going to do through Jesus Christ. So it brings us back to this reality that our future is all wrapped up in Him. 
Your future is all wrapped up in Him. Your eternal destiny is determined by how you respond to Jesus Christ, accept Him or reject Him. And if you're a believer, here's what's going to happen. And sometimes we, we descend into this gloom and doom. Everything's bad. Well, there's evil in the world. It is bad. But again, we don't just cover it up with some sort of you know, illusion. Oh, it's not bad. No, it is bad. But here's what I can tell you. God is never going to abandon His children. Never going to abandon us. He will see us through whatever He has for us in life. And someday we get to be with Him face to face. With that reality... Find your satisfaction in Him. Choose to find your satisfaction in Him. The world's falling apart. The world's bad. I don't need to descend into gloom and doom. Why? Because it's all my life is all wrapped up in Jesus. And Lord, if this is what you have for me, difficulty, trials, things around me, then I need to come into agreement with that. So let's talk about our personal prospects. And that's the next thing we want to talk about is the future as it applies to us. Look what he says in verse 8. Uh, let me go back and, and read this uh, verse 6 one more time. I'll make one more statement about it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I don't know if that's a promise, but it's certainly a desire. And it seems very clear from history. Those that honor God's place, Jerusalem, and God's people, the descendants of Israel, God does bless them in return. And that's something we really need to remember. And frankly, our leaders need to remember as well. He says in verse 7, Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces, for the sake of my brethren and, and companions. I will now say, peace be within you. For the sake of you, I'm praying that, God, you will fulfill your will. And friends, that's where our prospects come into view. How do we view our personal life? Where, where's my life headed? A am I full of despair or am I full of anticipation and joy? Am I living in my, the regrets of my past or am I just seeing them as we should? That's under the blood. That's under the blood of Christ. And I now move forward for His glory. So the question to ask is, as you think about yourself going forward, are you going to choose to set your eyes on Him, that you're going to find your satisfaction in Him, that you're going to be content? You know, the world is designed to maximize discontent in our lives. You know that car that you bought a few years ago? Oh, it was new, it was shiny. And now it's like it's old-fashioned. It needs replaced because we've got new features, new things. You've got to be dissatisfied with the old and need the new. You know, I have version 1.1 of this stuff, and now version 3.2 is already out. I've got to upgrade, right? It's designed to make us dissatisfied. Our enemy, Satan, loves to leverage our dissatisfaction. You know, my marriage isn't really working as it should. I, I want what I believe someone else has, and we're tempted to throw that away and start over. You know, we're, we're tempted to say, you know, I, I deserve what someone else has. And envy and jealousy sets in. And we might be tempted, and sometimes we are, to cut a corner to get what we think we deserve. When really we need to find our satisfaction, Lord. To come to that, and I said it a little bit ago, and this is true. If you've ever had this experience of just getting this place, it's a blessed one. Not one we would probably seek out and choose, but a blessed one. We get to the place where we realize, Lord, you're all I have. You're all I've got. Great news is you find out he is 100%, always at all times, all you need. So our prospects for the future is what we need to think in terms of, and uh, that brings us back to where we began. And let me just share this with you one more time. I want this to really get embedded in your heart. This is what we need to do, what God calls us to do. Find your satisfaction in the Savior, not in your circumstances. Oftentimes we are fastened on the circumstances. I don't have, I want, I wish, I'm not going to get to, you know, what's been left out. I, I want something different. Well, we need to bring our desires into alignment with His. And as we do, as we choose to find our satisfaction in Him, we have 
delight. We have this delight. He says in verse 9 as he concludes, Because of the house of the Lord our God, because you are there, because of you, I will seek your good. My behavior is different because I am finding my satisfaction in you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires, the right desires of your heart. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So friend, I ask you, and this is what I want to set as the goal of my life. And this is how we can rise above the, the muck and the gloom and the doom of this world. Rise above the drama and the hurts of the past. Is by just saying, Lord, I, I choose to be satisfied in you. Satisfied in the Savior, not in my circumstances. As we do, God will indeed see us through. And someday, as I've already said, well, God will bring us into his very presence where we will delight in him forevermore. So thank you for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed our study. I've enjoyed being with you. And uh, it won't be long. We'll be back to, for part two of our study that we've entitled Rise Above. Looking forward to it. God bless you. Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word.